is game week, baby. College football is back, and Virginia Tech is right around the corner from their first game of the 2022 season. The Brent Pry era is about to begin in Blacksburg, and we got a lot of things to unpack for you here today. Hi, everybody. I'm Giovanni Heater, joined alongside Carter Hill once again. And before we get into the meat and potatoes of everything, we got to tell you to go check out Roback, our proud sponsor of Hokie Heat. Go ahead and use promo code SUNSVT for 20% off of your first order. And you can also go over to our other proud sponsor today, Roots. Use the promo code there, B-O-D-U. That's for 20% off your order in the Roots app. Thank you to Roots. Thank you to Roback. And thank you to the Sons of Saturday for giving us the platform again. Hokie, he is with you. I'm Giovanni Heater. He is Carter Hill. Let's get into it. We got a good show for you here today. We're going to talk about the top five Virginia Tech players in the history of Hokies football to come out of the 757, the Virginia Beach area, in honor of the fact that a lot of these guys are going home. It's a little bit of a homecoming for those 757 guys as the Hokies are on the road at ODU on Friday night. And then we are going to get ourselves into an Old Dominion preview give our game predictions, talk about the spread a little bit, a little bit about the two deep for Virginia Tech, and tell you about everything you need to know ahead of Friday's matchup. Carter, thanks for being here. How you doing? Go Hokies. So great to be back. So fired up for game week. Virginia Tech, Old Dominion, Friday night. The whole fan base is ecstatic for it. So am I. going to be such a fun night at SB Ballard Stadium in Norfolk to kick off the Brent Pry era. So thanks for having me on once again. Yeah, of course. Thank you so much for being here. Again, Carter uh, writes for Virginia Tech Athletics. I mean, just uh, tons of Tech Lunch Pail, tons of different platforms, obviously, in 3304 Sports with me, our uh, student media. And he's actually going to be on site down, uh, actually out in Norfolk, I should say. Him and Jake Lyman are going to be on site calling this game for our broadcast studio, 3304 Sports. So definitely be sure to check that out out but first let's get into our top five Virginia Tech Hokies from the 757 let's start out with some honorable mentions before we truly dive into the top five Carter we talked about this but it felt like the list was honestly pretty easy to put together your honorable mentions are as follows Daryl Tapp Xavier Adibi and Brian Randall Carter why did we chose those choose those as our honorable mentions well, you know, it is easier to, to choose a top five, in my opinion. But at the same time, there are so many good Hokies that came from the 757. And hopefully there will be even more. And that's one of the top initiatives that's put in place by Brent Pry. So it's tough to leave the three of these off of the top five. It just was the five in front of them a little bit better. Daryl Tapp, obviously one of the fan favorites at Virginia Tech, came back for one season as an assistant coach and probably one of the best Hokies out there that just embraces the Virginia Tech culture. I believe he he's the one that voiced over the announcement of the return yeah, of the lunch the pail. Lunch pail. So yeah. He's oh, yeah. still one of those fan favorites that everybody loves and everybody appreciates what he did at Virginia Tech. Xavier Deby, a guy who... Another guy who just was so ultra talented and one of those hard hitting guys that you think of like, oh, that was good football back in the day. And now all of a sudden, hey, he's on Brent Price support staff. So it's certainly nice to have him back here in Blacksburg. And then Brian Randall, a really good quarterback. Unfortunately for him, he was sandwiched in a way in between Michael Vick and then flash forward a couple of years to the Tyrod Taylor era. So he's a little bit 
forgotten to a degree, but still a great quarterback at Virginia Tech that played actually 10, 15 years of pro football, not necessarily in the NFL, but still pro football, a guy yeah. out of Williamsburg. So those three guys are easily towards the top, in my opinion. It's tough to leave them out of the top five, but of course we have our reasonings for the top five as well. Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, you could make a case for any of those three guys getting in the top five. And you mentioned it, uh, Daryl Tapp, fantastic job with the return of the lunch pal. We might as well, we were going to save that. We might as well just bring that up. Obviously, Hokies, you know, across Hokie Nation know that. But the lunch pal is back. I think it is fantastic. I think it shows, obviously, that Virginia Tech and Brent Pry and their new initiative is to bring back that Virginia Tech mentality of old, that blue collar, go to work physicality, um, just brute, tough football, that that uh, hard-nosed brand of football. They're trying to make a return to that. And then uh, I think it also shows in some ways, uh, since we're talking about this 757, how they're trying to get back to their roots. One of the biggest pieces of getting back to their roots is going to be honing in a focus on recruiting the state of Virginia. Well, and it's not really a surprise because obviously everybody knows Brent Bry, Coach Shunder, Coach Beamer, Coach Under, Bud Foster. And actually, the year the Lunch Pail got started in 1995 was Brent Pry's first season on the staff. So that's kind of an interesting nugget. I'm a little surprised it went away in general with Justin Hamilton being the defensive coordinator, being a Virginia Tech guy. But you respect he wanted to do his own thing. But Coach Pry mentioned in the press conference literally today, or I guess yesterday, since we're putting out this podcast on a Wednesday, that his plan from the get-go was to always bring back the Lunch Pail. So I think yep. it's really cool that they're taking the initiative to do that. I think they're going to have to probably take a baseball bat to it because it's all new and pristine right now. Yep. And if you want to make it look all banged up like the old one was, which is currently residing in the Merriman Center for anybody. Yeah, it's in a trophy case. Yeah, exactly. If you walk right in, it's literally right to your left or excuse right. me, right to your right, right by the Brett Pride. And the rumor is that there's multiple floating around out there. But yes, so even, there even before now with the new one, the rumor was that there were multiple, like there was one that stayed in Merriman, one they brought. Doesn't Bud Foster have one? I believe so. Yeah, there are a lot of different rumors out there, and there are probably going to be a couple with this new regime as well. But the Hokies, you know, the old tradition was whenever they go on the road and they get a victory, they get to dig up a little bit of that turf or grass and stuff it in the lunch pail. And, of course, the lunch pail is listed with all of the 32 names who unfortunately lost their lives back here in 2007. So it's a great way to honor Virginia Tech and what it means to be a Hokie. So there's there's a pretty big meaning behind it too. So really, really nice to see it coming back. I'm ecstatic for it. You know, I think the fan base, it's just one of those other things that Coach Pry is doing to – Get everybody on his side, it seems. So it's 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 really, really exciting. And I think the Hokies are hoping to add a little bit of that ODU turf there on Friday as well. And it first, feels as though, you know. To go with a new lunch pail. Right, right. And, you know, it feels as though, too, as if it, it was a, if it was a outsider, so to speak, coming in to be the head coach at Virginia Tech, it might not have the same feel to bring it back. But Brent Pry talked about so many times through different media outlets and especially in his introductory press conference, how much of an impact both Coach Beamer and Coach Bud Foster had on him, both as an individual and on his football career. So it just means that much more for him to continue Bud Foster's tradition. I mean, you got to think. Brett Pry is a guy that was a defensive coordinator at a at a, such a high level like Penn State and a defensive coordinator in the SEC at Vanderbilt. 
So he kind of is cut from the same cloth as these Virginia Tech guys. He, so to speak, cut his teeth here at Virginia Tech and learned so much of what he knows from Bob, Bud Foster. Not necessarily completely emulated it, but modeled a lot of his game plans around the Bud Foster defense. So it just means that much more that Brent Pry is a Hokie and a Virginia Tech guy from the get-go. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head. It just is really excited to see it it come back. And I think the fans appreciate that. And it's one of those things too, where you're like, yeah, it's very cliche to say it, but you, you consistently see it on Twitter. Like this guy gets it. And to bring it back, the other thing we missed is it is designated to a specific member of the defense that is entrusted in carrying it onto the field, particularly a defensive leader. So Chamari Connor will get it. I forget. Is it for week one or is it for the, no, it's the whole season. Chamari gets it all year. Yeah. Okay, so you're going to see Chamari Connor bring it out on Friday in Norfolk and throughout the season as well. Of course, you'll see it at home. I remember like back in like 2018, Ricky Walker, who had it that year, or at least a good chunk of the year, he was one of the captains, as is Chamari Connor. So when they yeah. would stand at midfield before they would, you know, congregate and meet after inner Sandman, Ricky Walker or whoever was entrusted with carrying it that day would just hold the lunch bell up with their right hand for those listening above their right shoulder and walk out to midfield with it. So that's it just awesome. was one of those things where you're just like, that's Virginia tech football. It was weird to see it go now that you think about it, but you respected it at the time, but also now with Brent Pry being a Bud Foster guy. Yeah. You right. touched on in his introductory press conference. I think he may have asked, I, I think he may have actually talked about Bud Foster before he did coach Beamer. It was in the same sentence. Right. Those two guys have just meant everything to him. So I think he is just absolutely thrilled to see it back and the fan base is too. So that's another thing Friday. People are excited to see in action for sure. Yeah, no doubt about it. And I think this guy I'm wearing right now, a Tremaine Edmonds jersey uh, because I'm a big Buffalo Bills fan. <laughs> He's the starting middle linebacker for the Buffalo Bills. I think back in his day, he might have worn this or his brother, but that's a complete side note. Let's get back into our top five guys from the 757. We gave our honorable mentions. It's time to crack into the list. Coming in at number five, none other than Mr. Cam Chancellor. Six interceptions on his career. Doesn't have the stats that necessarily drop your jaw, but it's just the impact he had on the program. And he is known as one of the hardest hitters in college football history. He could go out there and make a play at any time. He was physical. He embodied the lunch pail in a lot of different ways, both on and off the field. Then he went on to have a fabulous NFL career after only being a fifth or sixth round pick was part of that Legion of Boom with the Seattle Seahawks and even further after that. So Cam Chancellor, number five on our list, I think very deservedly so. Well, going into the 2009 season, which was Chancellor's senior year at Virginia Tech, Torian Gray, who was the defensive backs coach for the Hokies that year, another guy who played at Tech and actually is now coaching at South Carolina under Shane Beamer. Okay. He mentioned – that he thought Cam Chancellor after the 2009 season was going to be the best safety in Virginia Tech football history. And like you said, his numbers wouldn't necessarily reflect that. He was just a fifth round pick, but he's one of the he's one of the first guys I think of when I think of Virginia Tech's defense. I really do. Mm -hmm. You mentioned the hard hitting physicality he would bring to the table. He was the one guy in opposing offense would not want to see charging at him. Or no, they feared. Him. I mean, some yeah. of the hits, like you can look up some of the hits that he made in college on YouTube. I think 
yes, there is a game. I think they played NC State in Raleigh, and he just laid this insane hit. I don't know who it was. The running back completely flipped over. I okay. think it was NC State. You can look up Cam Chancellor college hits, and it'll be the first one to pop up. He made so many memorable plays during his time in Blacksburg. And people forget, too, at Amari High School in Norfolk, actually, he was a two-star recruit. He came in as a quarterback, Gio. Came in wow. as a quarterback, then moved to cornerback, and then finished up as a safety. And, you know, like you said, maybe he didn't have, if you're using like a baseball term, the all-star type numbers, but he was that difference maker that would hit 280 in the middle of the order, or maybe he hit just 250 in the middle of the order, but he'd have 120 RBIs because he'd drive in all the runs. Right. That's kind of how I compare him. So Cam Chancellor is certainly a guy that needs to crack that top five. You mentioned his NFL career. Unfortunately, it was cut short due to an injury, I believe, with his neck. So only right. played seven seasons, won a Super Bowl with Seattle. The Legion like seven of in the him. NFL is pretty good. Oh, yeah, 100%. Really, really good. He made a lot of money playing professional football, but yeah. I think he'd still be playing now if it wasn't for an injury yeah. issue. He's 34 no years doubt. old. But the lifespan of a NFL player, you know, is much shorter comparatively to other sports. So seven years is is really not that. You know, you think of the lifespan of like a tailback, a running back in their prime, they got really like four years. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So yep. Well, and he still was on the roster in 2018. He was out the whole year, and then I think he retired after the year. But he played from 2010 to 2017, and obviously just a great. Great safety at the NFL level, multiple Pro Bowls, hit on the Super Bowl. So, oh, yeah. Sam Chancer is one of the first ones that comes to mind for me and really was one of the first ones to come to mind after one and two. All right, let's go ahead and move on to number four on our list, D'Angelo Hall. I think that goes without being said. You know, three years uh, as a Virginia Tech Hokies, five punt slash kick returns for a touchdown. He was a absolutely lethal return man eight career interceptions and he also in his senior year caught two touchdown passes as a wide receiver so just an absolutely dynamic athlete of course he had that uh famous play bill ross called give it to me roscoe give it to me <laughs> you know so uh i mean just an unbelievable player for virginia tech in a time too where um it was the post michael vick era um, when he was here, yet those Virginia Tech teams were still pretty darn good and played in some pretty big ball games. Oh, yeah. Deep Creek High School out of Chesapeake. Was high school teammates with Daryl Tapp, actually. Eighth overall pick by the Atlanta Falcons. Played a decade plus in the NFL with Atlanta, with Oakland, with Washington, and really was good at all three stops. Another thing, too, is you touched on it. He played all three sides of the ball in college. Obviously, everybody knows him for his defense. Everybody knows him as a, a star punt returner. But then he played some wide receiver attack, too. So D'Angelo Hall is somebody that is another one encrusted in the core of Virginia Tech football and is somebody that consistently makes appearances at Lane Stadium or on yeah, the road to see the Hokies play. He's pretty invested still in the Virginia Tech football program. And although he was never at Tech when Coach Pry was there, Obviously, there are so many connections now that Hall has got to be involved going forward. I mean, really, like you think about it now. I mean, he was 5'10, 200 pounds. That's not like that doesn't knock your socks off. But a top 10 pick out of Virginia Tech, 
He finished off his Hokie career in 2003, the year before they entered the ACC. So unfortunately, he wasn't here for any of the ACC days. Right. But of course, was a part of some pretty good Virginia Tech teams with multiple 10-win seasons. So D'Angelo Hall is certainly another guy that just automatically comes to mind. Really, really good for a long time. I really remember him in his days with Washington because he played till 2017. So like when I would first start watching the NFL and being somebody from Virginia, he was a member of, at the time, the Washington Redskins. So, yeah, no, I, I think Hall is somebody that definitely has got to be included on the list, and that's why we're slotting him in at number four. No doubt about it. We move on to number three. It's the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Tyrod Taylor. Played four years as a starting quarterback for Virginia Tech, which is the most for any quarterback we're going to talk about today. I think everyone knows who the other one, besides, of course, uh, Brian Randall, who the other one will likely be. But Tyrod Taylor went 495 on 865 pass attempts. That's 57%. 7,017 yards through the air in four years for 44 touchdowns and only 20 interceptions. And he did it on the ground as well. 501 total rushes for 2,196 yards. 23 touchdowns, and the memories are endless. I mean, the guy, two ACC championship victories, uh, the game against Nebraska and Lane Stadium, that iconic drive down the field at the end. Tyrod did it, Mikey. Tyrod did it. I mean, Somebody's just... excited to see Bill Roth back in the booth. On <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> Bill, Bill's my biggest mentor. Bill and Evan Hughes, my biggest mentors. Uh, you uh, as well, uh, everybody in our SMA program, but uh, – yeah, I got a I got a close bond with Bill, so uh, uh, yeah, wouldn't be here without him. So, um, but yeah, I am stoked to hear him call Tech football again. Um, and I wasn't around to hear it for the last, you know, twenty plus years before this. So I've only heard the highlights. So I can't wait to actually hear a full game from the get go here. Well, but back to Tyrod. <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. No, you take it away. Oh, Tyron Taylor. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We got we're about to go on this whole tangent about Bill Roth. So oh, and Tyron Taylor also was the starting quarterback for uh my Buffalo Bills and took them to their first uh playoff uh appearance in uh a very, very long drought of 17 years. So Tyrod uh holds a special place in Bill's Mafia's hearts as well. He was the the bridge to to Josh Allen. Is that correct? Yes. Yes, indeed. Okay, there you go. So, well, Tyrod is somebody, yeah, you don't see a lot of four-year starters in college football anymore, even then, really. And it took him a couple games until he was eventually put in the starting lineup. He was originally in the red shirt back in 2007 and then started four years at Virginia Tech. You mentioned it, two ACC titles. The one that really comes to mind is probably the Florida State game in 2010. Yeah, just I watched that. I don't mean to interrupt, but I watched that on YouTube with the guys I'm living with this year a couple days ago. And oh, dude, he just he put on a show in that game. Absolutely. And they, they had EJ Manuel starting for them because um, Ponder Christian Ponder was hurt. But EJ Manuel played a good game, too. Tyrod was just that good. He was just that good. He was just that good. But yeah, Tyrod. I mean, just one of those iconic legends at Virginia Tech. You mentioned the Nebraska game, of course, is one of the first ones that comes to mind. And that Florida State ACC championship game in which he took down, like I said, EJ Manuel, which is funny with Bill's Mafia, right? was yeah. definitely one of the first things that comes to mind, too, when it comes to Tyrod. Somebody who came out of Hampton High School, Hampton, Virginia, 
And he comes to Virginia Tech as a pretty highly touted quarterback. I believe he was a five-star off the top of my head. So he comes in and he's, yeah, go ahead and look that up for me real fast. Yeah, I believe he was a five-star when he came in. So he was just unbelievably off the charts rated when he stepped on campus in Blacksburg. And everybody knew how good of a quarterback he was going to be. He lived up to the hype. He read off his numbers. And unfortunately for him, he's had one of the unluckier NFL careers. It seems like every single stop he goes to, he gets hurt. And a lot of those stops, he's had the starting job. I mean, Cleveland, L.A., Buffalo, Houston. He ends up starting games there and then gets hurt to, for the most part, an up-and-coming quarterback at a lot of those places. So Tyrod, unfortunately for him, he's had a lengthy NFL career. He's won a Super Bowl as a backup with the Ravens. He's Still kicking. Still kicking, exactly. So, unfortunately, went down with another injury the other day with the Giants. But Tyrod is arguably and probably is the second-best quarterback in Virginia Tech football history. And, of course, you know who number one is going to be. But, yeah, (laughs) I would put Tyrod at number two as the, the best quarterback in Virginia Tech football history. Yeah, no doubt about it. And you are correct. He was a five-star recruit and the highest rated recruit uh, to attend Virginia tech. According wow. to, uh, according the to thing is, we said Tyrod was a two-time ACC champion. He was a three-time ACC champion. That was my fault there. So they beat Boston college, both in 2007, 2008. I was going through 08 and then 2010. And I was like, Obviously, I knew they won it those years, and then I knew they won it in 2007. But I still like – it takes me a minute to register Tyrod as the starter in 2007 because everybody knows what happened with him and Sean Glennon. But, but right. yeah, so three-time ACC champion. So he's got three ACC title rings. I mean, he literally took the job from Sean Glennon, if I'm not mm-hmm. mistaken. Mm-hmm. All right, let's move to number two on our list before we get into our Old Dominion preview after we announce number one and two. So number two, Mr. Bruce Smith. Uh, unfortunately for whatever reason, he obviously back playing back in the eighties, his stats are literally like impossible to find. I mean, we dug for him sports reference, ESPN, everything. We could not find his stats, but, uh, I think his legacy speaks for himself without the stats. I mean, he was just one of the, you know, most intimidating, uh, defensive linemen out there went on to have a fantastic career in the NFL, went to four consecutive Super Bowls with my Buffalo Bills, Uh, (laughs) unfortunately fell in all four. Uh, But the the great thing is, is he is still so involved with both communities, the Virginia Tech community and Bills Mafia. He's such a big part in both fan bases, going to games, uh, you know, appearing in the media, everything like that. Uh, Virginia Tech means a lot to him. Bills Mafia means a lot to him. Uh, Bruce Smith, absolute legend, uh, fierce defensive lineman um, that could just get after any quarterback, stop the run. Uh, I mean, if you go look up his highlights, especially in the NFL, really fun to watch, but was really big for Virginia Tech's program because back then they weren't, you know, what they were in the, uh, you know, mid to late 90s and then obviously taking off from there after Michael Vick. Virginia Tech wasn't necessarily what it became, so – to have a player like that was really huge uh, for the program. Yeah, obviously you have the dual connection to Bruce Smith, as you just touched on. Right. Another guy out of Norfolk was the first first overall pick in program history, one of two. Everybody knows who the second one is. We still haven't talked about him. But, yeah, I mean, you could, you could even argue Bruce Smith is number one because he was that good of a player at Virginia Tech and was that good 
of an NFL player. I mean, Pro Football Hall of Fame, College Football Hall of Fame. It just was number one. Everybody knows the impact that he had. Number 78, retired with the Bills. His number retired with Virginia Tech as well. You mentioned it. So very involved with Virginia Tech football. You consistently will see him at probably a game or two a year. And then I didn't know as much about the Bills, but apparently he's still in the Bills. Yeah. Okay, well, that's good for him. Finished out his career in Washington, so back in his own backyard. But, yeah, Bruce Smith, obviously I was not around in – I was not around in the mid eighties, but Bruce Smith, I've watched plenty of highlights was just that feared defensive lineman who, when he got after you and he got an arm on you and he wrapped you up, you weren't getting out of it. I mean, he was, he was like as good and I shouldn't say as good. He was on the level, not as good, but of a Lawrence Taylor type superstar in that era. Obviously, Mm -hmm. LT stands on his own pedestal, but Bruce Smith was, you know, in that group of guys right below him. Oh, yeah. And and still considered one of the better ones to ever do it at the pro level. That's the difference, too, probably between one and two, in my opinion. Everybody knows who number one is. Yeah. Bruce Smith probably had the best pro football career of any Virginia Tech football player, in my opinion. I mean, going to four Super Bowls, yeah, you can't. And being dominant. I mean, Cam Chancellor and Tyrod. I mean, D'Angelo Hall was good too. But yeah, nobody was had as, I would agree, nobody had as successful of a career as Bruce Smith. Mm-hmm. I mean, the guy was consistently the best defensive lineman in the AFC. Uh, one of the top five in the league, no doubt, and went to four Super Bowls. I mean, yeah. Defensive well, player of the years to his name. Yeah. When you have the nickname, the sack man, when you're in college. Yeah. Obviously, that means something. And Isn't he on a Sports kind of Illustrated one... article or cover? Maybe so. Maybe so. He's kind of the one I feel like that the name Saxburg is revolutionized with. And I think back to that original point, not to get sidetracked too much, but if number one, obviously we'll say his name in just a second, and everybody knows who we're alluding to. Obviously, if some things did not happen throughout his career, I think he maybe could have reached Bruce Smith's level. But I think you got to give the nod to Bruce Smith there when talking about a pro career. But in terms of our list, looking at their college career and their impact on Virginia Tech, kind of mixing all that in there, I think he's number two. But it's it's not far off. Bruce Smith, obviously, fantastic Virginia Tech Hokie and fantastic pro football career and just has continued to do such good things for the Virginia Tech community. I still I, I think he still lives out in the 757. So he's continued to be heavily involved and you can bet your money that he definitely will continue to be involved in the Brett Pry era. Yeah, no doubt. Number one, Michael Vick. One, <laughs> 192 for 343 through the air. Only played two seasons for Virginia Tech, as everyone knows, because he was that good. Uh, 56% on throwing. Uh, 3,299 yards through the air. 21 touchdowns on 11 interceptions. But where he really did it and where he really was special, because he, he was a good thrower, really, really good thrower. But where he really was literally game in sport changing as far as changing quarterback rooms, was his 235 rushes for 1,300 yards and 17 rushing touchdowns and only two years as a quarterback. Dude, rushing for 1,300 yards in two years as a quarterback in those days is, like, ridiculous. Oh, yeah. No, it's insane. And, you know, maybe this is just us viewing from a, a biased perspective, but when you think of 
if when you think of college football back then, and when you think of some of the most elite athletes to succeed at the college football level, yeah, maybe he didn't win a Heisman, but Michael Vick's got to be up there. I mean, his highlights still pop on Twitter to this day on a regular basis. When Bill was on his run against Boston College is definitely the one where he like jukes, spins, shimmy, shakes. I think that was Bill's call as he yeah. spun into the end zone. Just jive spinning into the end. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> so he's got a lot of those moments. Obviously, the play in the miracle, of, the miracle in Morgantown game, in which he scrambled down the sideline, got out of bounds, got the Hokies into field goal range, and everybody knows what happened then. And Shane Graham ends up kicking the game-winning field goal. The Hokies win up in Morgantown. They get the Black Diamond Trophy, and that's what probably willed them to the national championship game. That's the other thing too. The elephant in the room. He took Virginia Tech to their only national championship game in program history. And that still has not even been close to being touched. So Michael Vick just had that career at Virginia Tech that was that good. Like his career in college and early on at the pro level was just almost unmatched. And it's almost surprising when you sit back and you're like, oh, he didn't win Heisman. So, but like you said, only played two years. He redshirted in 1998, 1999, his redshirt freshman season just went off, obviously hopped on the scene and took the Hokies to the national championship game. 2000, probably a little bit of a step back, but I don't even know if that's fair to say because he still was at an elite level. I mean, just like when you're looking at it from the run game perspective, I mean, Almost 1,300 yards in two years as a quarterback is ridiculous. Yeah. It's crazy. So Michael Vick, no doubt, number one, in my opinion, the number one Virginia Tech Okie to ever come out of the 757. I mean, that man was just elite. Even with all of his off-the-field issues, a couple years down the line, he turned his life around. He actually really had a a fairly long NFL career. I don't don't know how many seasons off the top of my head because I think he took two seasons off. I think he played from all of them. Bounced around from. Eagles, ended with the Steelers and the Jets. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so he he started in 2001, I know that. He finished off in 2015. Okay, okay so then he's, he's bounced around. Yeah, uh, well, 100% too, considering everything that happened. Got yeah. out of Newport News, has coached at the, I think it's the, what the, it wasn't the XFL. What was it? Let's see. I don't he coached, remember. He's he's going to play. I saw something that he's going to play in that fan controlled football league. Yeah, he is doing that. And then he's been an analyst for Fox too. So he's obviously, even with all the issues that he had, he's obviously living life pretty good right now. Great college career, lengthy NFL career, number one overall pick, the second number one overall pick in program history, the second of two still to this day. And obviously living life pretty good right now. So Michael Vick, no doubt number one. All right, let's go into our ODU preview. Virginia Tech on the road at Old Dominion on Friday night. 7 o'clock kickoff, going to be televised on ESPNU. Games out in Norfolk, again on the road at ODU. Virginia Tech opens up in the spread as 7.5-point favorites. Old Dominion, first year in the Sun Belt Conference. Their head coach, Ricky Ronnie. Um, actually has a really tight relationship with Brent Pry. They go way back. They've been on the same staff from 2011 to 2019, both with Vanderbilt and Penn State. 
For a time, it was Brent Pry as the defensive coordinator. Ricky Ronnie is the offensive coordinator and James Franklin is the head coach. So, um, you know, Ricky Ronnie has a fantastic resume, very similar to Brent Price. These two uh, are good friends. Brent Price actually talked about on Tech Talk Live how he wants to almost build the state of Virginia around their programs together. I don't really know how you do that when ODU is not a power five school and Virginia Tech is. Yeah, that's why you're just it's hard to interpret that. Right. But it, but it that's what Price said. I think that was just him being friendly about their relationship. But regardless, uh, Carter, your thoughts on ODU, what guys to look out for here, and your thoughts on the matchup? Well, this is ODU's first game in the Sun Belt. Remember, they're making the transition from Conference USA to the Sun Belt Conference. And the Monarchs, everybody knows what happened the last time the Hokies made the trip to Norfolk was probably the biggest win in program history for the Monarchs. 49 to 35 victory for ODU in Norfolk in 2018. The Hokies have taken care of business twice at Lane Stadium, but everybody, of course, remembers the 2018 game. So the Hokies have an opportunity to right a wrong here. And actually, I do want to give credit to my man, Nick Brown, because he totally deserves credit for this. He made a great point when Gio and I were talking to him the other day and said that- On the 3304 kickoff show. Yeah, check it out Friday. Coming out check Friday. Check it out Friday. So, Dropping Friday. Studio show. 3304 Sports. All student run. It's fan- you, you'll enjoy it. All student run. 100% student run. It was a little bit of a work in progress with the new format, but I well, digress. I, th- I, think it, I think it came out pretty dope. Hopefully so. I haven't had a chance to look at the whole thing yet. So hopefully it does come out pretty good. But anyway, so Nick made the point that Brent Pry has the opportunity to right the probably the biggest two wrongs in the Justin Fuente era in year one. When at Old Dominion, which Justin Fuente obviously lost back in 2018, which kind of was, I guess, the minor start to the downfall in his tenure as the Hokies head coach. And then the opportunity to beat Liberty. Everybody knows what happened in 2020 at Lane Stadium. The block kick ran back for a touchdown. Hokies thought they won the game. Justin Fuente <laughs> called timeout. So that's obviously one people want to forget. So that was a great point there. But again, not to shy away too, too much. And, but and they lost to Virginia in his tenure. So they, they did, lost to every major team in Virginia during Justin Fuente's mm-hmm. tenure. Yep. They lost to UVA 100%. for the first time in 20 years or whatever it was, 17. Mm-hmm. It was 15. 15. Okay. But also, and I, I, I'm careful throwing UVA in there just because UVA is a power five opponent and they right. were really good that year in 2019 and it was at UVA, but obviously ODU and Liberty are the big, big ones that Virginia Tech, quite frankly, should really never lose to. Right. So big opportunity here for Brent Pry and company. Yeah. ODU is going to be excited. They're going to be fired up. I think it sounds like the student body, the fan base, and that community is just absolutely thrilled to have Virginia Tech back in that building. Going to be sold out. Friday Night Lights only holds about 21, 22,000, but it's still going to be loud in there. There'll be a lot of Hokies, a lot of maroon and orange. There's a lot, a lot of Virginia Tech fans and alumni in the 757. So of course they're going to travel well, even if it is weirdly enough, a five-hour trip across the state to get out there. Second longest road trip of the year, might I add? Like that's crazy. Right. But so people are going to be pretty fired up in this game. And ODU coming off of a year, they finished six and seven last year, lost in the Myrtle Beach Bowl. So they fell short of that winning season. They started one and six, actually. So they had to win their last five games to get bowl eligible. 
He lost to Tulsa in the bowl game, but it's a lot of new personnel. So Hayden Wolf is the new starting quarterback for ODU. You mentioned Ricky Ronnie technically is third year as the head coach, although second year actually coaching because year one was the COVID year and they didn't play in 2020 actually. And then the other guy to watch out for offensively is Zach Kuntz, the tight end, who's a transfer from Penn State. Really good numbers during his time in limited action. At Interesting Penn State, there, but- Penn State transfer. Yep, exactly. So, you know, Ricky Ronnie has the connection to, uh, to Penn State. And, and Coach so Brian knows him well, too. He mentioned it in the press yeah. conference. I believe it was either Wednesday or earlier in the week that he, he knew, obviously, about Zach Kuntz and, and said that he was going to be a problem. So the Hokies will have their hands full there. And then defensively, on the other side of the ball, Jason Henderson is the star linebacker. I mean, a guy, I'll, I'll read off his stuff right now. That's why I'm looking down. 2021 Conference USA all-freshman team. Remember, they were in Conference USA last year and was a pro football-focused college football true freshman All-American. So those are the three guys that obviously the Hokies and the fan base are going to be watching out for. This is going to be the first true test for Hayden Wolf, new starting quarterback at ODU. So, But, yeah, no, those are the top two personnel, the tight end and the linebacker, the biggest difference, ma- biggest difference makers on both sides of the ball. But – you know, a young quarterback, I believe Hayden Wolf. I'll, I'll look it up while you're making your next point, but I believe he is a redshirt freshman. So this will be, as you can tell, I have not dove in too much into my prep, but we will get there. Um, he's a redshirt sophomore, actually. He did start seven games last year. So this is not like his first rodeo. It's not his first ever start, but he's the guy for the first time. So It'll be a challenge for him. So I'm interested to see how this Virginia Tech team matches up against ODU. I'm really just interested to see how Virginia Tech plays in general. I mean, I think everybody is. So it'll be exciting to watch, and I think it'll be a night that reveals a lot about the Hokies. Yeah, no doubt about it. Let's get into our predictions here. By the way, Old Dominion has not yet released a depth chart. Virginia Tech just released their two deep. Malachi Thomas, obviously not on it for week one. He is still walking around the football facilities in a boot. Virginia Tech has their two deep out. Um, I think the biggest question mark is the wide receiver room, and this is why my score prediction sits at this. Virginia Tech wins it 27 to 10. I think that they do really nice job, a really nice job defensively, and Old Dominion scores a touchdown in the fourth quarter towards the end once Tech starts to put in some of their reserves. That's where you get the 10. 27, and the reason I'm not going 30-plus, despite it being a lesser opponent, is I, I'm a little worried about the cohesion of the wide receiver group, wide receiver room. You have a former walk-on in there. Um the depth isn't quite there. We also don't know. Uh, Jaden Blue's a little banged up um, still. The Temple transfer. We'll see how all that kind of plays up. Uh, I think that is probably the thinnest uh, position group in the offense for sure, but a lot of faith in the offensive line. Um, you also, again, don't have Malachi Thomas to offer that explosive uh, run game, but I think Jalen Holston and Keyshawn King and really everybody else in that room is really talented, can kind of carry that load. Um, but again, 27 points is nothing to snuff at, but I don't think they'll hit 30 plus. And I think the defense will go out there and and do a real nice job and hold them to 10 points, giving up a touchdown and a field goal. Yeah. I'm going to add a touchdown on both sides. I think the Hokies win 34 to 17. I really have the same concerns you do. The receivers room for Virginia tech is a big question mark for me. 
And especially, it seems like you mentioned Jaden Blue, still a little banged up. That's probably why he's listed second on the two deep. I mean, Steven Gosnell, who saw limited time last year in North Carolina, is listed as a starter. And then you have a walk-on, and I believe it, his name is – so it's William Kakavitis, I believe is how you pronounce his name. So he's a walk-on that's on the two deep. So obviously it's very, very thin right now. And so there are some concerns there. I think Virginia Tech's defense has a shot to actually be really, really good. I don't know, like, top tier in the ACC, but good enough to really shut down ODU. Now, we mentioned a couple weapons for ODU offensively, Hayden Wolf. For the first time, like I mentioned, is the guy. He started the last few games last season when they started to get on a roll, and they got to a bowl berth. So he's got some experience, but... This is the first time that he's been able to take all the weight off of his shoulders. Like, okay, like, come get me now. So the Hokies will have their hands full defensively, but I think they'll be able to contain ODU to a degree and really limit them offensively. And then Virginia Tech offensively, even without a lot of the receiving core ready to go, or at least figured out yet, I should say, Grant Wells is still the real deal, in my opinion. And he's got the options to air it out to somebody like uh, a Caleb Smith or a Dewan Lofton. So there's going to be opportunities there. And yes, Malachi Thomas isn't playing, but Jalen Holston was going to contribute big time anyways. Yeah, so I think he's bound to have a really big game for Virginia Tech. And then Keyshawn King's going to get an opportunity too. So we'll see how he plays. It's also going to give the Hokies an opportunity to really rely on that passing game with Malachi Thomas out. So whatever they want to do there. I think the Hokies will still put up a decent amount of points. But, yeah, so I'll add a touchdown to both sides of things. I'll say 34-17 in favor of Virginia Tech. One little tidbit before, uh, Carter, I I, kind of get your final thoughts here. I did love Keyshawn King is returning kicks and DJ Harvey is returning punts. You know, uh, know I'm a big DJ Harvey fan. I know you are. Yeah, so that certainly will catch your eye. So other things too, Will Ross is the starting kicker. Kyle Lowe is the kickoff specialist. Obviously, Peter Moore is going to be the starting punter. Justin Pollock won the long snapping job. So that's it for special teams. But yeah, I'm interested to see how DJ Harvey fares as the punt returner. It was him and Dwayne Lofton battling it out throughout fall camp. And eventually it does go to DJ Harvey. And actually Lofton didn't even make it too deep. So I think Lofton, or excuse me, I think Harvey will have an opportunity to have a big year in the punt returning game. And Virginia Tech, they kind of got some of that explosiveness back in the punt returning game last year with Tavion Robinson. So, yes, I think the Hokies will take a step back, but Virginia Tech and Harvey are going to have a really good opportunity to see what he can do in 2022. Yeah, absolutely. Carter, your final thoughts on Old Dominion and Virginia Tech. I'm really, really excited, honestly. I think there just is so much excitement poured in by the Virginia Tech fan base right now for obviously a ton, a ton of reasons. You get to go to an area, I touched on it earlier, where the place is just filled with Virginia Tech fans and Virginia Tech alumni. So an opportunity for them to go to a game in their own backyard. You get to go to a place that a bit of unfamiliarity, but you also get to go to a place to right or wrong too. And there are still a good amount of guys on this roster that were on the team in 2018, Dax Hollifield, most notably. So Silas Danzi, another captain. Yes, Silas Janzi, Jalen Holston was as well. Yeah. So a couple of those was guys. Was Narelle Pollard? No, I don't. I don't think so. Maybe, maybe. I think he may have come, came around in 2019. But yes, there are so, yeah. a chunk of guys that are back. They played in that game in 2018. So 
And even for those not going to the game, everybody just wants to see. I think, uh, I don't mean to interrupt, but Caleb Smith, another captain that was on that roster. He was, that was correct. He was, he, he registered that year, but yes, he was on the roster. So, but yeah, no. And even if you're not going to the game, there just is so much excitement in tuning in to see Virginia Tech football play and to see how they look under Brent Pry. And again, nobody has any expectations coming into the year. Everybody knows that we'll see how it goes. That's kind of the motto going into this season from the fan base, it seems, or hopefully it seems. So Virginia Tech, first opportunity to show off what they can do in the Pry era. And I think it's going to be really excited to see it unfold. All right. Well, that wraps things up today on Hokie Heat again. Hokie Heat is presented by Roback. Use the code SUNSVT for 20% off your first order. And today's episode, our ODU preview, was also brought to you by Roots. Go in the app and use the promo code BEATODU for 20% off in the app as well. Carter, thank you so much for being on today. And man, college football is back. There are so many unbelievable games on this week. You got the backyard brawl on Thursday between Pitt and West Virginia at Akershire Stadium or whatever you want to call it. I'll always call it Heinz Field. Uh, You know I'm from Syracuse. Louisville's playing up in the Dome to open up the season. An ACC game to kick off the season with those two Atlantic teams. I mean, that's going to be a good one to watch. UNC's at App State. NC State's on the road at East Carolina. Florida State's playing LSU. Georgia Tech's playing Clemson. I mean, there is a laundry list of really good games on this weekend, not to mention all of the outside of ACC games that are just absolutely fantastic. So, Enjoy your college football weekend. It's back. Thank the Lord. College football is here. Go home.